Can everyone hear me okay? All right. So, uh, first I'd like, with the Lord's help, to explore the question, why would anyone go to the, to the mission field? Or why would you go to the mission field? Why would you allow your, your children, perhaps, to go to the mission field? Or someone in your congregation, uh, if you're in a position of leadership and they would ask you uh, or share a burden that they have on their heart regarding the mission field, uh, what would your response be and why? Let's read with the Lord's help, in, in, starting in, in Mark 16. The first question is, why should you, why should I go to the mission field? And let's read in Mark 16, 16 chapter 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. God's commands are black and white. We have them in in his holy word. And commandments differ from suggestions. Commandments differ from ideas in the following way. An idea or a suggestion, you can either... uh, you can compromise a little bit. You can, you can change it, perhaps, to your own liking. You can take part of it and leave the rest of it. But a commandment is either obeyed or disobeyed. It's, it's that, that easy and that simple. So what we find here in God's Word are not suggestions. They're not ideas. They're not uh, just a, a way of, of uh, motivating us but they are commandments, and we need to take them as such. Reason number two for going to the mission field, because the need is so great. Let's read in... in uh, is, is the, can everyone read that text there? Is it almost? Is it too small, or should we move the board? Move the board. Excellent. All right. If if uh, someone could could look up the next three verses, please. Let's start with Matthew nine, verse uh, thirty-seven through thirty-eight, and whoever finds that first could could read, please. Then saith he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Thank you. And while we're reading, feel free to read from any translation as long as it's the King James Version. Uh, Next is Matthew 13, verse 57. Someone could read that, please. They were offended at him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, in his own house. So, why go to the mission field? Because there are so many that are longing to hear. I'm sure many of, many of you have experienced that when, you, when you're, you speak in your own 
home church where you grew up, where everyone knows you and knows your parents and your grandparents and perhaps several generations, uh, there is a limited amount of, of uh, knowledge that, or, or, or inspiration that you're able to convey to them. But when you go to a foreign country, there seems to be a, a, a greater acceptance. And, and I've experienced that personally, and I'm sure some of you have as well, that it says, a prophet is not without honor, except save in his own country and in his own house. So we're not seeking prophet status. That would never be a good motivation to, to go to a mission field. And at the same time, the, the status is, is just uh, earned automatically, if I can put it that way. Uh, there is a greater acceptance of someone's words when they are in a, a, a foreign place among people that uh, they have not grown up with. And that's, that's, that's biblical, and, and, and I'm sure many of you have experienced that. Thank you very much. The next verse then, Matthew thirteen fifty seven, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Romans 10, 14 through 18. If you have any, any uh, questions or comments, please feel free to, to, uh, to comment or, or, or ask. 14 through 18. Mm-hmm. How then shall they fall again whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yet there was their sound went into all the earth, and their word unto the end of the world. Thank you. The, the call needs to be obeyed because there are, are so few Christians that are obeying the call. Those, I, I realize that not everyone is called to, to go to a foreign country. To, to preach the gospel. But I believe many are. And I believe that there are few that are obeying that call. And that me- makes the need even greater. I was reading that for all of the uh, people groups that are unreached, there's only one missionary for every 450,000 people. And that's, that's not, this, these numbers are not taken just from our denomination, but from all missionaries that call themselves Christian missionaries. So it makes the need very great and very urgent. The next set of verses then, Romans 15, 
someone could read that, please. Romans 15, verses 20 to 21. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Thank you. They that go then to, to the mission field should go out of obedience to God, just, just as Abraham obeyed when he was called out, uh, out of his homeland. And Abraham received God's grace and God's blessing because of his obedience. We read in, in Genesis 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Another reason for obeying the call. It is God's perfect will for everyone to hear the gospel. That's something that we just can't, can't dispute. Let's read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Please. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Thank you. Jerusalem is, is known in the scripture as what? How can we compare Jerusalem to, to what we have today or where we live today? Where is our Jerusalem? Yes. Jerusalem was considered the center of worship. Exactly. Yes. Right in the church, there are people that, that need to, to have a one-on-one conversation with a the, with the believer that would would have the, the uh, patience and the uh, burden and love for them to share the gospel with them. That helped me in my own conversion. A brother came to me and, and said, Robert, you need, to, you need to seek the Lord. And it was a one-on-one. There, it wasn't a big group of 600-plus of people. It was just one-on-one. And that, that moved me because I had nowhere to... I had nowhere to go. I couldn't escape. Next verse, then, is Acts. Acts 22, verse 21. Someone please read that. Thank you. So then, we, we read that the gospel needs to be preached not only in Jerusalem, but also in Judea. And what would, Brother Bob, what would Judea represent for us today? That's our neighborhood. Okay. If we go incrementally away from the center, mm-hmm. and then we come to the question, who is my neighbor? And that's probably anyone that we might bring together with us, whether at work or wherever. Good. Thank you. 
Samaria. Where is Samaria for, for us today? We know that the Samaritans and the Jews didn't have a good relationship. They couldn't get along very well. So where would that be for you today? Well, we consider the forbidden place. Okay, good. Somewhere where Domino's Pizza will not deliver, to put it bluntly. Somewhere where, you know, we would prefer not to go. And then finally, to the uttermost part of the earth. The Bible instructs us, we know the two greatest commandments. We've heard them many times. What is the first? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your neighbor. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So are we showing our love, the love that God has, has given us, are we showing that love to our neighbor? Neighbor could be the, the couple next door. It could be the, the very next city to us. Or in the, in, if you live in the United States, you, can, you could consider Mexico as your neighbor. That's a neighboring country. So is Canada. There are many places and many people that are waiting to hear. And English-speaking North America, namely the United States and Canada, are quite saturated with, with the gospel. There is, I, I read some more, some more numbers here in, in my free time. 9% of the world's population speaks English. And 94% of all ordained ministers preach to those 9% that speak English. So we are saturated here in North America. There are, are few that have not heard the gospel here in the United States and in Canada. And those that haven't heard have had probably one or two or more opportunities to hear and they've just rejected the, the message. So why then, why this, why this great difference? Why is it that, and, and again, I just have to use statistics from uh, right off the internet because we don't have these numbers for our, our own denomination. But why is it that 9% of the world that speaks English gets 94% of all ordained preachers? To illustrate this, I brought some buckets. Two buckets full of water. Let's let's uh, ask Brother Paul. <laughs> He's a little shy, Brother Paul. Would you, would you would one of you come 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 with me, please? We've got these two buckets 
full of water. And let's say that uh, Brother Paul here represents Canada and the United States and the, and the English-speaking people of the world. And we're going to, and, and, and let's say that he, he just, let's pretend for a minute that we all just brought our bicycles from Toronto, Ontario. And we're all very, very, very thirsty. It's 95 degrees outside or something. And, and we're, we're so thirsty, we just arrived on our bicycles, all of us, and we're going to give Brother Paul these two buckets full of water to drink. And, and for everyone else, let's just share. Let's just share this cup of water. We'll just pass it around, and hopefully by the time it gets right to the back, hopefully there'll still be just a little. Do we, do we, do we need any more illustrations? We're, we're, Brother Paul, is this enough water for you? Okay, thank you very much. So this, this I believe, is what we're doing uh, with, the, with the spreading of the gospel. We, we are concentrating most of our efforts among the English-speaking population because it's just, it's just so easy. I already speak English. And... and the rest of the world is just getting that, that, that little cup. Yes? I have a question. Um, I'm not trying to uh, uh, dispute what you're saying about the exaggeration of the gospel being preached in North America. Mm-hmm. Though most have heard it, mm-hmm. but they don't really understand like the, the true message. So right. what would you say then? Like I, I, I know that Not everyone is called, I would say. Exactly. Right. Even to be an evangelist or even a preacher on the pulpit, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to understand here, um, like, what would you recommend in, in that case? Or I'm not trying to mock or, 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 or make a difficult question for you, Brother Robert. Oh, I, I appreciate that. I'm not suggesting that we preach the gospel less in North America, by no means. I'm, I'm suggesting that we love our, our neighbors and show them, that, show them our love by, by reaching out a little more. I, it's, I could say that we have a remarkable missionary effort among our denomination. And I could also say that it's remarkably inadequate in, in its reach, when we, when we consider uh, less than 20 full-time missionaries in, in, to a group I have written down here of uh, 3 billion people that have not yet heard the gospel. Not, they've never, never, ever heard the message of Christ. So how then are we to reach these 
three billion people, and it could be, could be a little more, with, with the amount of uh, full-time missionaries that we have. And I'm not saying that's the only answer or the only... I'm not saying everyone that goes to a foreign country has to be a full-time missionary. But there needs... I would think there needs to be a little more outreach uh, in order to, to share God's love with a, with a greater amount of, of people. Was there a question? You weren't just referring to our church. I think you said you included all the others. But I know mm-hmm. a lot of the preaching is translated into a number of different languages and with our media. Right. Okay. The, the number I have uh, of three billion is people that have never heard the gospel message in their, in their lives. So they've never heard it on the radio, they've never heard it on television, they've never heard it anywhere. And that's, that's sad. That should, that should move us. Uh, especially because 55 people die without Christ Every minute. So the need is urgent. It's, it's not, uh, there's no time for procrastinating. Uh, if we are called by God, we need to obey that call. That's 80,000 people a day that die without Christ. 3,333 people every hour die without without Christ, without hope, without uh, knowing Christ, to face the judgment seat. The Bible says that he that winneth souls is wise. Are there any questions? Let's continue then with 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Thank you. I've, I've seen um, people in foreign lands that are doing a, a, just an amazing job in, in uh, sharing God's word, and I wouldn't want to minimize that. We need to pray for those that are uh, full-time serving the Lord. In Mexico, there are two full-time missionaries. They're both uh, nationals, both Mexican by, by birth. And the Lord is really blessing their work in a wonderful way. So I wouldn't, I, I'm not trying to say that uh, what they're doing is not, is not good. What I'd like to say is that perhaps we should look at the big picture that God sees because he sees the world as a whole and, and see where, where are the gaps that we could fill in. A few more scriptures then. Can we read John 9, verse 4, please? I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh 
when no man can work. Thank you. There are those that would perhaps be scared of going to a foreign place. And I can, I can relate to that. There are those that uh, are too attached to their, to their family, to their friends, to their homeland, to ever venture into a, a foreign country, even for a short-term uh, mission trip. But let's, let's read what uh, Matthew wrote in Matthew 10, verse 29 through 31. And also verse 37, please. Whoever finds it first, please feel free. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not there, fear ye not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And also verse 37, please. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Thank you. What if we have too much going on at home? We have jobs, we have mortgages, we have uh, obligations at our home church. So what, what is the... What is the response to that? And perhaps there may just be one here that that might uh, feel God's call. Or perhaps one of your your children might feel God's call to go either short-term or long-term. And let's, let's see what the Bible says about these concerns. Matthew 8, verses 21 and 22. Thank you. And the big question, will God provide for you financially if you go to the mission field? In Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When it says all, that's an absolute. And it's, it's speaking of all of our needs, not all of our wants. A, a, a brother recently brought, up, brought to my attention and asked, why do we spend $60,000 on a big SUV if all we want to do is, is get from A to B? If all we're needing to do is get from one place to, to another? And I, I, that struck me. I thought, well, let me think about that. And then the, the other question was, uh, why do we spend $100 on a, on a silk shirt if all we're wanting to do is, is cover our backs? And, and there are many things like that. We could, we could say... What about the, the three-piece suits that, that cost, I don't know, $700, $800? It seems that there is money for those kind of things, or a $2,000 watch, perhaps. But to, to spend a, a few hundred dollars to travel, say to Mexico or further, that's not in our budget. 
Why is that? And I realize it's not always affordable. It's not always possible. But let us examine our priorities. Psalm 37, verse 25 to 26. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. This, this again is, is, is absolute. It says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We need to be responsible with our families. And at the same time, we, we don't need to, to worry about what we're going to eat tomorrow. So the final question is, what would God have us to do? As a, as a denomination, as a church, as an individual, what would God have us to do? What is the, the burden that is on God's heart for, for us as, as believers? There are those that... I'd like to talk a little bit about Mexico. I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, there are those that have gone to Mexico... Um, such as Brother Walter Meister. Many of you remember him. He was such a blessing to, to the church in Mexico. Such an incredible blessing that people will never forget him, even though he's long gone to be with the Lord. The Lord provided for him in every... Uh, every need that he had. I remember a story of once when, when Brother Walter was, was older in years. He, went to, he, was, he was still visiting people on a regular basis in Mexico. And, and uh, one day he put his, his, his Bible on, on, top, on top of his car. Uh, because he was he was loading the car with with different things, and at, at his older age he he forgot his Bible on the top of the car, and he drove off and went to went to his destination to share the gospel with with someone, and his Bible happened to have a vinyl cover on it, and it was a day hotter than today, which happens regularly in Mexico. And the, the heat was so hot that the vinyl stuck to the top of his car. So when he got to his destination, he just pulled the Bible off the car and, and, and went in to, to share the gospel. And there are so many other stories like that where even in the little things God provided, God made a way so that he could share the gospel at that particular home and there was really no regrets at the end of his at the end of his race at the end of his christian race a little bit about mexico would anyone like to take a guess at the at the population of mexico 
Okay. Just the city. Thank you. The entire population of Mexico is 106 million. In that, in Mexico, there are 15 million telephone lines, which means approximately two telephones for every 13 people. How would that go over here in, 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 in North America, in the, in the rest of North America? Population, 32% are 14-year-olds or younger. The median age is 25. So there, there is so much potential there for, for sharing the gospel because there's just so many young people that are eager to hear. Life expectancy is 72 years. 89% are Roman Catholic, which is a religion that was imposed on them by, by the uh, Spanish. of Mexican population, age 15 years and over, are literate, so they can can read and write, 92%. The Indian population of Mexico is 23 million. There's the ethnic groups divided between just four groups, main groups. The mestizo, which is the Amerindian Spanish, 60%. The the Indian, otherwise known as Amerindian, 30%. White, 9%. And other, 1%. Somehow I got the nickname Pale Face during my first few years in Mexico and kind of stuck. It sounds a lot better in Spanish. 40% is below the poverty line. Um, Wages, factory workers, like a lot of the ladies at church that that work in a factory or or cleaning, uh, make around $50 a a week. Uh, there's one brother that is a, a general manager at a, at a large factory, has a very good job, makes uh, $450 U.S. a week. So there is, there is a, a, a range, but the, the, the most ready to listen to the gospel are, are those that are the factory workers, those that are, are the blue-collar uh, people. For some reason, they have, they have always been the first to, to come to church and the first to, to receive the gospel. Are there any questions regarding Mexico, regarding what we've, all that we've read? The, there are two churches now in Mexico... Um, and two diff- besides that, two different 
preaching points where ministers will visit on a regular basis to share the gospel. Uh, so a total of four cities. Yes? Well, I prayed, prayed about going. Um, I wanted to uh, continue learning Spanish, and uh, I was I was seeking God's will in in for my life, and I felt felt the Lord's leading to to go there. It was it was the closest uh, Spanish-speaking church to to home. And glory, glory to God! It was a real blessing. The the time I was, I was there. Um, the church is 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 doctrinally sound. Which uh, the worship, the style of worship is extremely similar to what you would be used to here in in, in the U.S. or in Canada. Um, it was easy to to feel at home before too long. Anyone else? Yes. In Mexico, 14. Yeah, so it's, it's been, been a blessing. There is a definite hunger for the gospel. Uh, it seems the further we, we would go down south, the greater the hunger was. It, it, I don't know if that is because of the um, economics. There's, there's a town where the church is. It's, it's a kilometer square. Uh, in, in the name, is, name of the church is Sonora. The Sonora Church, it's also the city is San Jose, the state of Sonora. And uh, the church started with just, just people visiting. People had relatives there. They would, they would go and, and share the gospel while they were um, there on their, on their visits, visiting parents or uncles, aunts. And, and before, before long, a, a, a church started. There were baptisms there. There's now um, around 15 members in the church. Uh, VBS attendance was 250 so it's a real blessing. And there is nothing in this, in this uh, town that's a kilometer square. There is nothing to distract them. There are no movie theaters. There's no dance halls. There's, there's no shopping to speak of. There's nothing that could distract them from going to church on Sunday morning. So it, it, was, it was a lot easier in a place like that even easier than, than on the border. There in Takati, it, it took some time for people to, to come around and, and to start uh, listening to the gospel because there were, more, there were more distractions, although not as many as you would find in, in uh, most American cities. Yes? You think that it's uh, the poor people, because they're poor, they're more, they're more eager or willing to learn? Real life. Do you think that has anything to do with it, or is it just, is it 
Personally, I, I, think, I think that is a, that is a factor. Um, Jesus said that he, he came to, to preach to the poor. And I've seen, out of experience, I've seen that the poor are normally more ready to, uh, to listen and to receive the gospel and, and believe it. Whereas some of the, at least in Mexico, that's the way it was. Some of the wealthier Mexicans, uh, some of them did convert, but they were few. There's a brother with a, uh, with a master's degree in church, and he's, he's really the only one that, that has a, uh, a university degree that, yeah, he's, he's the only one. And uh, he's, he's just one of the few. And it, it, he's, he's, he's just as spiritual as, as, as the rest of them. So I'm not saying that, you know, the, the poor have a, have a uh, benefit as far as greater grace. I'm just saying that they're, they're the ones that are first in line to, to hear the gospel most of the time. Yes? There, every Friday, the um, people from church will meet and go out to, to visit someone. First, they'll have a prayer meeting at church and then go out to visit. And normally, it'll be a visit where they'll... Uh, of course, it's a different culture, so they don't call to make an appointment. You know, they'll just go and knock on someone's door, and uh, nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll be able to sit down in their living room and, and share the gospel uh, it, it's normally someone that, uh, you know, a, a friend's uncle's cousin or, or something that, you know, somehow they'll have some kind of connection to this person where they'll uh, know them well enough to, to ask, may I, may I come in? May we uh, visit with you? They'll split up in groups, normally a minimum of two, and sometimes when it's a youth it's up to maybe 15 youth at a time, but that would only be with someone that they, you know, they really uh, have a good relationship with already. Someone that has come a few times to church or someone that is directly related to one of them where they can um, kind of drop in unexpected. Often, Yeah. That's done every Friday and every other Sunday as well. So that's, that's something really that, that was started right from the foundation of the church, right from when the church began, and it just continued and, and uh, is working to this day. It's something that has uh, given, given good results, yes. Your wife, how did she come to the Lord? My dear wife heard um, the gospel when uh, a group, actually it was, was uh, her relatives that invited her. And then her relatives were invited by, um, by believers. So it was. Did she understand 
her, her English is limited, so um, she doesn't understand everything that we're, that we're saying. Are there any other questions? I'd like to share this with you before I forget, see? <laughs> because we're, we're in a, kind of a transition now where we're moving back to, to Kitchener, God willing. Um, so hopefully next time we come to camp, we'll all, we'll all speak English and, and be able to converse a little more. Again, we, we feel that it's it's the Lord's uh, Lord's will. We've we've been praying about it for for over a year, and uh, feel it's the Lord's will for us to to move back. It's it's really we have no no uh, no complaints. Uh, the people in Takati were very good to us. And that's why. We were there for for fourteen years. We just really enjoyed it. Yes. What's prompting you to pray that? What's prompting? It must be that out of you just don't pray. Something prompting you. Uh huh. Okay. Well, it has been done in the past, I suppose. Um, there were a few things that that uh, that motivated us to to really start praying and uh, seek the Lord's will for our lives. I, I believe the Holy Spirit convicted us to to start praying and and. Uh, there were a number of factors that that also uh, convicted us. One one was my my father's health, which is is quite poor. Another is um, my my son's education. There's very few opportunities in in the Takati area for them to um, to study in the English English language. Uh, There were probably a number of, of other factors that were really really minor, uh, but kind of kind of piled up, and and we we have peace about it because we know we're following the Lord's will. Whatever the factors are, whatever the motivation is, it means nothing unless the Lord is is leading us. So we we have peace because we we feel that that it is the Lord's will, and we're we're. 
we're grateful to have his, his guidance. I, yes. I might just add to that uh, that with George and Kathy Nimick <laughs> in Argentina, yeah. they felt that their, their uh, mission job there was uh, not completed, but well on its way. Mm -hmm. And that they were, the church was in a situation where they could leave, uh -huh. and there was leadership there that was filled in, and that they, their family was grown. They uh, felt the need, uh, plus their parents were aging and they wanted to spend more time with them now. Right. Those are some of the motivating factors, but from the land of family, why they Okay. Are there any other comments before we close? Before, before we, we uh, continue on, let me just read once again, Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Could we um, close with a, with a prayer?